Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio Show number 441, Why Happiness is the Ultimate People KPI. Today we're going to be talking about how team happiness predicts retention, productivity and innovation. I'm Joe Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage Success core team. The Engage Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement, shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list, and all our social media links are there too. My guest today is a returning guest, and that is um, Nick Marks, who's a happiness expert, TED speaker, and founder of Friday Pulse. Welcome, Nick. Great to have you back. Thanks, Joe. It's lovely to be here. Lovely. So start by telling us a bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm Nick Marks. I am a statistician by trade. You know, that's my sort of core skill. But I became a therapist when I was young. And so I think in the end, I end up mixing sort of soft and hard skills together. And I'm very interested in how we can use numbers to make a better world, a better world of work, um, really just to sort of increase people's awareness about how other people are feeling or how they are and uh, use that to sort of that awareness to build better experiences. Lovely. And we swapped a few notes before we came on and uh, you said that you start from a position that accepts that, that it's a simple truth that a happy team is a successful team. Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think we all know this. We all know this in our cup that, you know, that when we feel good, we, we do good work. And, and, in, and of course, the opposite is true. You know, when we feel miserable, we do miserable work. And so if you can build team happiness, you know, you have a much higher probability of running a successful team. They're not, mm-hmm. it's not the only ingredient. You obviously need strategy and focus and all sorts of other things too. But keeping on top of, you know, how your team are feeling uh, every week, uh, every month is, you know, a great way to build a successful team. And how do we do that? How do we know whether people are happy and whether our teams have got that happiness thing going on? Well, as a statistician, I'm going to give you an obvious answer, which is that we measure it. And of course, then that raises the question of, you know, is that is that possible? You know, something that feels as intangible as happiness, can you measure it? And and my settled methodology is to is to just repeatedly ask people every week, how you know, how have you felt at work this week? And give people a response from, you know, very unhappy to very happy. And people get into the rhythm of answering that question. And, you know, they, they maybe they normally answer that they're okay and a good week they go happy, or maybe they answer normally they're happy and a great week they go very happy, a bad week they go okay or unhappy. And so people will move around the scale. And what you're really trying to respect is that happiness ebbs and flows. You know, we're not happy every week and that's normal, but it's pretty bad to be unhappy all of the time. So you're trying to basically help people have more good weeks than bad weeks. It's sort of as simple as that, really. Mm-hmm. And it's, as you say, interesting about that sort of fluctuation piece, because like, you can imagine if 
people don't know that you understand that, that, that there then becomes some issue around answering the same question every week. <laughs> you know, that, uh, you, you know, you sort of think, oh, am I supposed to say I'm happy every week? Whereas, as you say, if you acknowledge that, that, you know, we do have good days and bad days and good weeks and bad weeks, that that's probably very helpful, I would think. Yeah, because, I mean, actually, if you're a people leader, you do want to know when people are struggling because then, you know, you can intervene to fix it or find out what the problem is. So the whole point of sort of, you know, measuring it is really to identify dips and see how quickly we bounce back from them. So, you know, I, I think of resilience as the, the speed with which people bounce back from a setback. So if mm -hmm. it takes them one week, two weeks, that's kind of healthy. If they're still down three or four weeks later, that is not healthy. So it, it, it really is a sort of early warning system about issues. It's, it's, it helps people understand for themselves what when they've had a good week or a bad week you know and remember you know this week was okay oh yeah last week was rubbish wasn't it i'm actually doing better so instead of just really helping that sort of to you know bring you into awareness about what's going on and just using the simple measurement just allows us to track that mm. and so the last time we spoke we were just uh, trying to remember uh, it was um we think sort of mid lockdowns <laughs> um so we've obviously gone through a really difficult time for lots of people and, and sort of quite a lot of um, uh, fluctuation in what we're allowed to do and not allowed to do and you know the way people have been working and people have been ill and better and all that sort of stuff what what's been the impact of the pandemic on employee happiness as a, as a whole have you got some insight on that for us yes absolutely so um, in about March 21 so just over a year ago every year there's something called the world happiness report that comes out and mm -hmm. embedded in that was a section in 2021 on happiness at work and they had this amazing graph in it which was basically showing the waves of how, how the waves of covid affected people's happiness and it was like a wave diagram but the inverse of covid so you know where we were tracking like cases and hospitalizations and deaths even you know we saw peaks of waves so in march 2020 we saw you know a big peak in cases and uh, and deaths and things and so you see exactly the opposite so as the first lockdown happened in march 2020 there was this huge dip in weekly happiness and this actually originally came from a yougov survey which is called the mood of the nation and they ask i think it's about 2000 people in a rolling survey um, how they're feeling that week and you could just see this huge dip and and then we saw a recovery so I, I think we spoke in the summer of 2020 probably when we were in the sort of eat out for help out phase and yeah. and things were getting better but then of course in the autumn which is rising again and we start restrictions and um, uh, you know up to the Christmas that year it got worse and we saw exactly the opposite in the happiness day so you know started to dip again and um, the first wave of um, you know of, of unhappiness if you want to call it that in the first march was really driven by fear by um, you know, people feeling scared it was actually really quite a scary time but the second and third waves and consistent ones afterwards were mainly driven by boredom you know the people just felt you know constrained um, you know maybe more lonely slightly but definitely bored and so you know we, we, we basically saw these waves and I, and I think that helped us think about happiness as being like a wave. It's not some sort of fixed state that people are. 
you know, we do say someone's a happy person or an unhappy person, but we also go up and down. In fact, we probably have three or four moods in a morning, let alone week, good and bad <laughs> weeks, you know, yeah. and, and when you get as, um, you know, to my age and probably yours, we've had good and bad decades, you know, there's sort of ups and downs at different levels, but the weekly one is a really good way of just picking up like what changes are happening. And so, and all of that data showed that. So it was really interesting. We saw that come through into our client data because although the, the great thing with the YouGov data is it's a representative sample of the UK and it's well balanced, our, our data from our clients is, is um, a convenient sample in lots of ways. It, it's, it's just who our clients are and there's going to be a bias in that because they're going to be people that think about happiness at work. But we saw the same dip in March 2020 in our class, a really big dip, but actually a quicker response from them to getting back to where they were before. And very interesting, the second and third dips in the autumn of 2020 and, the, and just after Christmas in 2021, that was the worst one, wasn't it? The lockdown, January, yeah. February. Um, they didn't actually have much dip at all uh, because I think they were talking about it every week and they're basically keeping those feelings outside of people's working week at least you know and um so they actually responded really well to coping with the covid uh uh pandemic mm, mm, that's really interesting thank you so just thinking about you've, you've sort of quoted some you know very large public surveys um on happiness and within organizations we sort of as we've already mentioned we have KPIs and in most organizations I don't think happiness is one of them <laughs> although you may tell me different um, um, I presume you're arguing that it should be um, and but it I can't imagine that lots of organizations would see it as you know something to put in there with their sales and profit and everything else um, thinking that it was perhaps a bit um, uh, you know not flippant, what's the word? Frippery. No, is that a word? <laughs> but, you know, not fluffy, not... fluffy, fluffy, yeah. Fluffy, yeah, fluffy and whatever sort of thing. Um, but you've already implied that, you know, it is much more important than that and worth tracking. And obviously that's what your organisation does. So tell us more about why leaders should be focusing on it as part of their business goals. Yes. Yeah, I think that most organisations, they have some people KPIs. They might have... Um, retention rates or, you know, or, or turnover, whichever way you want to turn that, and they might have absenteeism rates. But they're what we call lagging indicators. So they're basically looking back over the last period of time, you know, something like retention, you might be looking over the last year. Um, and, and, and they're basically saying what has happened. But what really organizations want are leading indicators, ones that will show you what's likely to happen in the future, which are predictive to future behavior. And so happiness is a great KPI because it basically tells you how teams are feeling right now and how teams are feeling right now will predict how teams perform over the next month's quarter. Because if you, if a team is, is basically functioning well and, and happy, they're going to perform better over the next month. I mean, that's what our data always shows. I and mean, we, we can do analysis on uh, teams happiness and then looking at what their attention rates are later in the year. And what we find is that um, unhappy teams, unhappy people are twice as likely to leave an organization as happy people. I mean, that's not rocket science, but if you can identify in real time which teams are unhappy, you can do something about it. Uh, and you know it's a kind of urgent problem. We also know it's linked to creativity and innovation, which is that, you know, there's this kind of myth that 
creativity comes, you know, great creativity comes from misery. You know, if you think of um, Van Gogh chopping off his ear or whatever like that. And, um, and, and that is actually probably about bipolar uh, disorders, you know, where, where people are really quite manic and really move around. But for the majority, the vast majority of the population, we actually are creative when we feel good. We, we see how things link better together when, we, when we're in a good mood, whereas when in a bad mood, we tend to focus very much on, you know, on the, on the issue and, and the difficulties we're facing with. That, that is also functional on occasions. But if we're looking at seeing, you know, how things fit together, coming up with new ideas, lateral problem lateral thinking and problem solving, then being in a good mood is massively important. So um, teams that basically have a good mood are, are more innovative, uh, more productive and have higher loyalty and they also have less conflict I mean you know if you think how many how much time we waste at work dealing with people problems nice if they go away we can get more of the work then so that's a huge benefit of happiness mm-hmm. and so just going back to the pandemic again we've had a, a, a really increased uh, emphasis on well-being and mental health and all of the stuff that you know really was an issue and and has always been an issue but it became more of an issue or certainly more visible as a result of the pandemic um do you think that's the case with the idea of happy teams and creating happy teams and happiness and measuring happiness in the workplace has that has that actually helped in the end i think it's it's an idea which is coming uh i think that well-being and sort of health is is is, tends to be a little bit higher up and we're obviously seeing I, I think it's either this week or last week it was mental health awareness week and we're seeing more and more emphasis on that and and happiness is probably a, a sort of coming with that and I think uh, we, we've obviously got a lot of clients and I think there's a lot of team leaders and, and people leaders who really get it and there's others who still think you know isn't that a bit frivolous and and, and I think it's really understanding what sort of types of happiness are appropriate for work in the Mm. sense that you know we're not talking about partying you know which is obviously we think about joyful experiences in our own private lives which might be you know they might be more more um less appropriate for work let's put it that way but you know happiness at work is really about you know feeling really engaged in your work it's feeling interested it's feeling um, you know, that it's meaningful, that you enjoy working with your colleagues. And these are things which are really important for teams, you know, and sometimes fun is good at work, you know, in that sense, it's, it's a good bonding experience to, you know, share a beer and a pizza if that's what you are. And the current regulations allow you to have one poor Sakis Starmer and all that. But anyway, but, you know, so, you know, uh, you know, we, we, those are, you know, important bonding experiences, but you don't want to be doing them all the time. There's times to just, be entirely on your own and focused on what you're doing. So it's sort of like an emotional agility in a team is, is, is happiness at work. It's like moving between positive emotions and and particularly working well together. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you used the word frivolous. That was the one I was looking for earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think it can sound that. And I think actually something else that people get really worried about is, is oh, if I ask them, Pappy, what happens if they're not? And there's this yeah. sort of, feeling of like I could expose myself to feeling like a failure and I think that's really understandable because I think that most of us have a sort of imposter syndrome underneath you know and so we're always worried about getting caught out (laughs) and and of course this data in in some ways can be considered exposing because if your whole team say they're unhappy you've obviously got a crisis but the reality is 
they already are unhappy. You've already got the crisis. You now know something about it and you can do something about it. And secondly, it tends to be that the people who are most worried about that sort of thing are actually not the bad leaders. Um, you know, they're the ones that actually are very interested in the well-being and happiness of their teams. And so, yeah. you know, it, it, it's not such a thing. But I, I kind of understand why they could be frightened of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how can I, as a leader, build a happier team? What uh, what things can I do? Yeah, I think it's about habits. Like Aristotle, well, he's quoted as saying, who knows what he actually said, but there's a quote associated with Aristotle that says, excellence is a habit. And I think happiness, happiness at work is habits. And, um, you know, as, as a people leader, team leader, it's about both, um, you know, embodying some positivity and, 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 and your behavior. So, you know, there's this whole thing about catching people doing it right, you know, calling out good behavior in the moment. We're, we're, we're very quick to sort of like move on to the next challenge and not stop and celebrate what's going well. So I think as a leader, it's sort of, it's, it, it's actually telling people they're doing a good job when they are, um, and, and preferably in public. So that other people see it because then they feel recognized uh, and seen. Um, it's encouraging a, a culture where people appreciate each other and thank each other. So not only you, not all the pressure shouldn't just be on you as the team leader, but that actually colleagues thank each other. So, um, you know, one of the features we put in Friday Pulse is that you can thank a person and say, you know, thank you for your support this week or whatever. And it's amazing how that sort of creates what, positivity resonance you know in the team it sort of builds things and really what you're trying to do is build trust uh safety psychological safety if you want to use the amy Evanson word um you know so that you're, you're trying to help the team work well together um and that should be sort of represented in the behaviors i mean i'm very pro I'm, you know i'm sure you have lots of people who are experts this one, but doing one-to-ones but doing them much more regularly and much more informally um, you know, at least once a month, I think. Um, and perhaps once a quarter getting together as a team and talking a bit more deeply about how you work together. So I, it sort of kind of goes from that daily positivity to sort of weekly catching up on what's gone well last week, what hasn't, monthly having one-to-ones and quarterly, you know, maybe getting together a team and discussing some of the, you know, the more values or, or, or the way you work together. So it's really just mm-hmm. building that body of behavior that, that creates it. That's, that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lovely, thank you. And again, when we were preparing, um, one of the questions we discussed talking about was uh, about dealing with stress. And you mentioned uh, a video that you'd uh, done recently that's available on YouTube, <laughs> where <laughs> it's quite controversial in that you're um, you're using the idea of smokers <laughs> to, to teach a positive point. So uh, do tell more. <laughs> yeah, I, I I had this idea. I, I have sort of vaguely mentioned it in talks because I, I do talks over the last couple of years. And it started off with an idea, which is, which is I noticed that smokers are really the only group who take their statutory breaks each hour. You know, they go up, they get up and they move. And, uh, and then I sort of built on that idea. And, and I did it in a talk earlier this year, doing a talk at, um, I think it was KPMG or it might have been PwC. I can't remember, one of the accountancy firms. And, um, and I, I said, oh, you know, are any of you smokers? And of course, there's a bit of a laugh, you know, and a couple of, pe- couple of brave people put up their hands. And, and I said, I'm, I'm always jealous of smokers. And I, I'm actually, I've never been a smoker. I mean, I've had a cigarette, but I never, I never learned to inhale really, which, 
which my wife laughed when I met her. She said, of course you inhale, you breathe, Nick. You know, so you do inhale. But I never really learned to inhale the smoke. But I used to be really jealous of the way that, you know, they would just sort of kickstart a conversation with somebody. So when we, you know, at university, these guys would always go up to the nice looking girls and go, have you got a light? You know, they were lying. They had a, they had a, they had a, a lighter in their pocket, but they just wanted to start a conversation. And so I built on this idea. So I've created the, the smoker's guide to dealing with stress. <laughs> and that is and that is that they they do these habits okay and of course they spell smoker so they they stop what they're doing this is when they feel short-term stress stop what they're doing that's s okay they move their body it's really really good you know if you feel stressed to move they go oh outside really good to get outside get out of this stuffy office environment uh, breathe some fresh air see the sunshine so they K, they kickstart conversations. If you're feeling stressed, you know, it, a problem shared is a problem halved, you know, is, is, you know, have a gossip, have a rant, whatever, but kickstart conversations. And then I think the real secret of smoking is their breath work. And they concentrate on their in and particularly their out breath. And so, you know, it becomes a sort of mindful breathing exercise, obviously with lots of carcinogens thrown in, so it's not very healthy. <laughs> So, yeah. so, and, then, and then they relax. And so that is the smoker. So it's stop what you're doing, move your body, go outside, kickstart conversation, exhale for longer than you inhale. That's the real trick with mindful breathing. So inhale, maybe to three, hold, exhale for five. And R, relax. And it's spelled smoker. So it started as a joke. And then I put up this little YouTube video um, and, you know, people seem to really like it's got very positive response. Yeah. <laughs> It's very clever, but also, as you say, you know, very relevant and actually um, definitely something to, to to follow, apart from the smoking bit, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can do it. It's best to do it without cigarettes. But, um, but yeah, but they, it is, I, I'm quite convinced that, that, that smokers are often dealing with short-term stress, and that's what they do. They go, they go and have a cigarette to, 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 to chill. And yeah. that's something that all of us non-smokers or former smokers uh, can remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're also that they're that sort of example of what everyone talks about as being the the water cooler thing that that has has become a, a, a sort of a big thing in the argument about whether you should stay working from home or go back to the office or you know or the hybrid version sort of thing. You know the, the whole thing about you know getting together as a team and having those conversations. Uh, wherever I've worked in the you know, in the past, the, the sort of smokers area always used to be the bit that seemed to be the team building <laughs> opportunity. Yeah, I think it certainly did. I remember, uh, actually, this was years ago when I was training as a therapist, but there was a woman, there were obviously smokers on the on the course. I wasn't, but I think I think I became group rep, which is quite normally what I end up doing, <laughs> some <laughs> informal leadership role. And I, and I made a plea about, you know, smokers need a space to smoke, yeah, even though I didn't smoke. But one of the smokers, she told me, she said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a reverse mentor to the CEO of my company because he smokes and I smoke. And I often meet him out going to have a cigarette. And he asked me, you know, what's going on? And, we, you know, and, yeah. uh, and I sort of tell him the issues. And I think there are all these informal links in an organization anyway. They exist. And, and smokers sort of have their own little secret in-group with it. And, and, and if we go seriously to the, to the issues about working in the office, working from home, the hybrid, the, the real issue will be is that being in the office will give us an advantage to people's career progression and networking because they will have more informal uh, networks. 
And, um, and that's probably why I think hybrid is going to be the best model because I think we do need, you know, we're very social creatures, human beings. In fact, it was, it was quite the worst thing about lockdowns was, 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 was not being able to be social. You know, mm. we, we didn't, you know, people, yes, we're a little worried about getting COVID and dying, but I think the real pain, the emotional pain was you know, not being able to, you know, see a loved one with their unwell or, you know, we fancy dying alone, you know, that must have been quite horrible, you know, for families. I, I, I haven't lost anyone close to me, but it, during COVID, but there will be people listening that perhaps have, and, you know, that mm-hmm. would have been, you know, really, really hard. And that sort of whole social networking part. And I saw some data on this that typically I'm going to, I'm guessing a bit of the data, so it's not precisely correct, but it was something like we had 12 to 15 social interactions a day. And during COVID, we had three to four. And mm. so it was a massive decrease in the amount of social interaction we had. And, and that would have definitely, you know, been one of the things that undermined people's sort of weekly happiness. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're just coming into the, the last uh, four or five minutes of the show. What sort of takeaways, what tips have you sort of got in summary of what we've been saying for managers to help to create a happier team? <laughs> I mean, the main thing if you're a people leader is to, is, I think, to, is to dare to ask the question, you know, how are you? And, mm-hmm. and to, and to listen to the answer and, and dig for a little bit bigger answer, you know, it's like, you know, how are you? And people go, give the same plan. Yeah, but how are you really? You know, just, just, just probe a little bit. And, and that's something that, you know, I think that's something that good team leaders do naturally. The issue is there's just huge variance in organizations between the quality of team leaders. You know, just, you know, you know, when people say, oh, we've got one culture and organization, I say, no, you've got lots of microcultures. Every team will have a different culture. And, and so it's really about helping ensuring, you know, consistency across an organization that people are having those conversations. So, um, so I think that, you know, that is the most important thing to be, to be talking at. You know, we, we, I, I'm a statistician, so I, my intervention is going to be about numbers, but I think measuring it allows it, it supports the team leader because they, it helps identify quickly for them if something's going on that they weren't aware of but further up the organization it helps you know ensure consistency across the organization that people are having aware of what's going on in their team and and um you know responding to it it's really that you know that at the end of the mm-hmm. day is is where it is it's in the stimulus response if you want to sort of get technical about it but it's like what's going on and how do we respond to it and and, and team leaders are often a little bit scared. You know, they may be, you know, child management institute call it accidental managers. They've been promoted for technical or length of service, not for their people skills. And so helping people talk, just have simple conversations each week is, is, is and but doing it regularly gets that habit, that consistency is really the, the biggest intervention I think you can do. And you can get then more detailed and say that you need to balance relationships with meaning and purpose and challenge and uh you know autonomy you know these sort of things and treat people fairly so you know those those are all great but the main thing is um is is just treating people as people and and asking them how they are <laughs> yes yeah 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 and and you know good that that there's an emphasis on doing that as well as as the measurement of it because i think often with the sort of surveys and that sort of thing we ask lots of questions we're not very good at necessarily following up on them or 
having different behaviour as a result of what's been in the, the survey. And then we go back out and ask the same questions again next year and not a lot's changed. <laughs> so the idea yeah, of I mean, measuring... That's one of the things we do with the weekly things. We, we feed that back to the team leaders every week. In fact, we create them a little presentation they can just click on and use with their team to guide a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it is worth saying, actually, that Friday Pulse is free to any team leader. So if you run a team, a single team, you can go and use the tool for free. Um, and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so you can... And, and obviously then we're paid for when you use an organization that has multiple teams. But um, mm-hmm. I wanted to create something that would just support team leaders because it's not an easy job uh, being a team leader. And yeah. um, and I, I think a guide is sometimes helpful and, and creating that rhythm of consistent behavior is, is, is um, you know, one of the key ways to do it. So having the rhythm of asking every week and talking about it every week, you're 70% of the way there to building a happy team with that. Yeah. Yeah, lovely. How do people find uh, Friday Pulse? Yeah, so we just FridayPulse.com, and uh, okay. and you can see there you can, very quickly. You can see where the the free team version is, um, and you can mm-hmm. you know you can just use that. Um, it's very easy to sign up, and uh, and it's insightful. I mean, I hope it is, but give me feedback if not. And if, and if you yeah. want to find me, I'm on I'm on I'm active on LinkedIn, so just link in me so i, I have to spell nick without a k so i'm quite easy to find nick in that email uh-huh. and you just <laughs> lovely thank you nick it's been great to get you back on the show thanks for your time today thanks Jen. so just let you know next week joe moffat will be back and she's talking to elaine bennett who's the principal of bennettinc.com and they're talking about how communication creates and sustains engagement engage for success radio Raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.